Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. Hi, Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey. Hey, Tam. How was your weekend? Weekend was the weekend. I don't really remember what I did, but I'm sure it was the weekend. How was yours? <laughs> well, that must have been a really good weekend then. <laughs> well, no, I'm not uh, like you. I don't go out and rave and party and all that. I just, you know, the days run together. When you get old, you kind of forget about time. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I actually had a pretty decent weekend, actually. Uh, I just kind of just did some things around the house trying to be a little productive. And then I just waited uh, all weekend for actually several things. The uh, college NCAA tournament and, uh, of course, the NASCAR in Martinsville on Sunday. So who did you have to win the NCAA tournament? And you know what? We well, said NCAA. Who did you have to win the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Right, exactly. I actually was pulling for the Tar Heels. I've always uh, had a soft heart for the North Carolina Tar Heels for some reason. Oh, you yeah, must be a Jordan I, fan. I, I, I was pulling. Yeah, well, you know what? I am, but it, it's not because of just Jordan. I think I just, over the years, just really enjoyed the Tar Heels. Because I, I even remember, I might be dating myself here, Tam, but I even remember when Dean Smith was uh, the coach then. I just liked the way he coached. I, I was really just a big fan of the school and so I was pulling for them, but, you know, I mean, Gonzaga, man, they almost had it. Well, I wasn't rooting for anyone because unlike most Americans, I didn't care who won. And no, I didn't watch WrestleMania, if that is your next question. I did see some parts of it because, of course, who couldn't not watch Grunk be Grunk, which was crazy to me. So I did see Grunk <laughs> being Grunk, and I did see John Cena uh, propose to his girl. So I did yeah. see a little bit here and there, but I felt like something else was on. Was it NASCAR? Something else was on, and I was kind of flipping and yeah, you know, checking out the internet. Yeah, just a little race over at Martinsville. <laughs> yeah, well, so with that being said, let's kind of jump into Martinsville. So what did you think about Martinsville, Renee? Well, now Martinsville is probably not one of my favorite tracks ever, but uh, I do rather enjoy kind of that, that short track racing. And the way that this whole race kind of unfolded is exactly like how I thought it was going to play out, Tam. Just uh, all the... Just all the, the drama that just kind of unfolded during the day. Now, I, I know sometimes we all have new rules that we have to adjust to. And I think that that's part of probably what happened this past weekend. But I actually rather enjoyed the race. I don't, I don't know. Did you enjoy it at all or, or how, how did you feel about it? You know, Renee, I enjoyed the race. I will say, like yourself, I'm not really a fan of short tracks, but I have found a new respect for short tracks watching Martinsville this week. I, I think what happened was it was so much going on with the bumping and the beefs that this is what NASCAR fans want to see. So even if you're not a short track person, it was fulfilling to see some action. I, I think that's what it is right there. It was finally some action that took place. I mean, let's Look at it for what it is. You had Danica going at it with Chris Busher. You had Bush and Stenhouse, which I don't think that's the end of that situation. I agree with you. I don't think that's the end of it at all either. No. And then you had Jimmy Johnson and Blaney. 
And then you have Blaney and Dale. But with Blaney and Dale, I'm not quite sure what exactly is going on with them. But it's definitely yeah. comical. I don't know if you saw the tweet that Dale Jr. I, apparently Blaney tried to call Dale after the race. And he screenshotted the call. And then he posted it on Twitter and was like, yeah, too soon, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love Dale Jr.'s honesty on social media. That's why, that's why I love following Dale Jr. on Twitter. He really like is a, a very honest person, and I think he brings that when he brings that to social media. I mean, it it just creates this big old like firestorm of things, you know. And he gets so many retweets and and likes. It's it's unbelievable how how awesome he is on social media. Well, Dale is super awesome, and we I don't know if we should talk about a few things now because we need to finish our race recap. So when we, maybe a little later, we'll jump into some of Dale's social okay. tweets in the last 24 hours. But yeah, going back to our race recap, so much happened. I just kind of feel like it was all about Kyle Busch, even though Brad Keselowski won. Mm -hmm. It just seemed to be the Kyle Busch show. I have to agree with you. And I'm, first of all, let me say this. It's always nice when the drivers that you pick the week before uh. kind of come through and make you look good. So congratulations to Brad Keselowski, the number two car for winning Martinsville. But you're right. It, I think it definitely was uh, the kind of the understory of what really was going on, because I would agree with you. I think Kyle Busch just it just seemed like everything was all about Kyle Busch that day. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was the understory more so than the main story because he came in second. Mm -hmm. Brad won the race, but all the stories seemed to focus on Kyle drama. Kyle's drama with Stenhouse. He was upset with the tires. He was upset with this. Kyle was just being Kyle. It's interesting because we've talked a lot about NASCAR's villains, but I almost feel as if no matter what Joey does, Kyle Bush will always be NASCAR's villain because of things like this. And I'm not saying he didn't have a right to complain about the tires and whatever else, but it's the focus is always Kyle Bush, at least as of late. You know, we have a whole bunch of other things going on. Like we just mentioned all the, the new rivalries and all the beef. I mean, how about AJ and Danica? You yeah. know, it, it's a lot going on, but we're focusing on Kyle Bush. Really interesting. Well, I, yeah, you know, I think you're you got a good point as far as like it seems like Joey is still going to be Joey, and he, he'll still probably and it's still early in the season, and I, and I Joey will probably still do something later on this year that's going to piss people off again. But Kyle, it, well, he seems like he's falling back into this old villain of maybe what he used to be, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it just seems like ever since the Joey and Kyle Bush thing. Kyle just seems to keep coming back and back and back into the headlines for some reason. There's something to be said about you are who you are. We have seen a change in Kyle Bush, but most of us, we always revert back to what's familiar. So even when you think about that girlfriend, the one who in your mind you think got away, it's not that she really got away. It's just that she's familiar. And that's what, you know, women are with men. They will mess with and date the same guy, even though he's no good, but they refer back to what they're familiar with. So in Kyle's situation, he, you know, became champion two years ago and the injury and everything seemed to be going great. Samantha had a baby. Their life is good, but you are who you are. You know, no matter how you try to spin it, Sometimes yeah. you're just that person. And I say that person because I'm that person. No matter how right. nice I try to be, 
you do something to me, I'm going to revert back to the old town and I'm going to tell you how I feel. We all know on this podcast, I'm feisty. I'm the sweetest person in the world, but you do something to me, I'm going to revert back to town and I'm going (laughs) to let you know. So in this situation, I guess it's just Kyle Bush letting you know that he's Kyle Bush. Yeah, because he's not going, Bush has never been the one to just back down and just let things pass. Yeah, you know, I think Kyle Bush is just going to end up being Kyle Bush, regardless of what the circumstances are. The old Kyle, the new Kyle, it's all the same. You are correct. And I totally have to agree with you, Tim. <laughs> well, let's talk about the old or the new Blaney, because I feel like Blaney, I don't know, you know, we're just getting familiar with this young guy. Maybe he's always been this person, but I'm seeing a little bit of Brad Keselowski in Blaney, meaning that, you know, I always say Brad is the guy that is in the classroom who always has the answers and you like him, but you kind of like, what? And not that we dislike Blaney because I actually adored the young guy, but I'm like, he's just kind of in the wrong place, wrong time. I don't know how people feel about him. If NASCAR Nation is liking what they see or if they're going to hate him because he's having some constant issues with Dell Jr. What's your <laughs> take on it? Yeah, you know, um, Tam Blaney having this issue with Dale Jr. right now, you know, maybe this might even help out Dale Jr. kind of becoming back to his old self of really, really kind of getting back into the mold of like being competitive. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way, and I'm not saying that Dale Jr. is not competitive, but maybe this kid can kind of guide Dale Jr. back to the mental state of like, you know what, screw this kid, you know, I'm going to show him you know, who I am and what kind of driver I really, really can be. So I don't know, maybe it might might help out Dale Jr. in a certain way. I don't know. Well, I will say this, the drama between Blaney and, well, first of all, I don't even know if we should call it drama, but the fun between Blaney and Dale Jr. is just that, it's fun. You know, Dale later apologized because he kind of was upset and his crew chief explained to him like, uh, you know, maybe it was your fault. And Dell was like, oh, okay, my bad. But it's just interesting because Blaney just seemed to be in the wrong place in the wrong time this race. He even got into it with Jimmy Johnson. And you know, Jimmy, we always say Jimmy is a lover and not a fighter. Well, we shouldn't use the word lover. Jimmy's a talker <laughs> and not a fighter. But he had a lot of words for Blaney uh, regarding their little dust up at Martinsville. Again, it's crazy to me going back to the comparison of Blaney to Brad Keselowski it's also that comparison to Joey Logano and as we know Joey's always like uh yeah what are they talking about I don't know I didn't do anything you know that I mean not that Joey (laughs) ever says that but that's the kind of impression you get from Joey I feel like Blaney was really like what has happened but what's really interesting speaking of Dale going back to what we said earlier about Dale tweeting too soon for him to pick up the phone Bubba Wallace was actually included in the tweet that Dale Jr. posted and Bubba was like okay what did I miss because Bubba was actually at the American Country Music Awards. So he had no idea really what was going on. So he was just like, wait, why is Dale tweeting me? And a lot of that is because anybody who knows anything about the young guys, Blaney and Bubba are two peas in the pod. Like they hang out together. They do some amazing pranks together. They're the team. Just unfortunately, yeah. Bubba hasn't made it up to Cup yet, which is going to be interesting when he does to see how these two really interact. It would be great if somehow they ended up on the same team but we already know that is a long shot 
Right, but that would be nice. Yeah, I think Bubba's deal is up next or this year. So it's interesting to see, in fact, where he lands. But going back to Dale, you know, I can't help but think, what the hell is going on with Dale? Yeah, you know, the whole penalty coming up. Well, he did say that the lighting on the dashboard of the car probably didn't light up the way that it's supposed to. I understand that, but it just seems to be over the last several races, Tam. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't think it's anything other than maybe just the car that they put on the track maybe just isn't as as well as they thought. That's just the way. I think it's something simple, but I think it can be very fixed very easily, but I don't know. I mean, that's just what I see. I I really don't see that much of a big issue other than just maybe just a, a, a mechanical or car thing that they're they're putting on the track. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but Dale actually tweeted his first paycheck from his first win in the Xfinity series, which was actually 19 years ago, which that's just crazy. It was in 1998. Can you imagine how much he made? Do you do you want me to tell you? (laughs) Yeah, please. I'd love to know. Dale Jr.'s first check for his first Xfinity race 19 years ago was a whopping $50,000. $50,000. It was $50,475. And the breakdown included $39,475. I'm assuming for winning the race because he has it blurred out. And then his TV fee was $5,000. And then he received a bonus of $6,000. That's pretty oh, crazy. Cool. I mean, yeah. it takes most people a whole year to make $50,000. And Dale oh, Jr. made that in 1998. You know, his first win in the NASCAR Xfinity. You can only imagine what his checks are like now. But, you know, <laughs> I brought that up because we're talking about this guy struggling. We forget he's been racing that long. Like, that was 19 years ago, Renee. That was 1998. It is 2017. Wow. You know, that's pretty, it, pretty it, crazy when, when you, you put think it, about when it. You put it in, yeah, when you put it into perspective like that, Tam, that's a long time. <laughs> well, what we also tend to forget is that Dale Jr. is in his 40s. You know, Dale yeah. Jr. is, he's, he's, he's up there. He's not quite as old as Jay-Z, but he's up there with Jay-Z. And the reason why I brought up that, because I always remember when Jay-Z did his uh, video and Danica and Dale was in it. Dude, oh, I remember yeah. when Dale Jr. was on MTV Cribs. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. M- MTV Cribs. Wow. Yeah. That reference right there just kind of, you know, says everything, I think, all together. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's not even on anymore. But right. any event, so, you know, hopefully Dale will get it together. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but hopefully he'll get it together. So speaking of getting it together, you already know I'm going to talk about my man, Clint Boyer. Clint got it together, baby. All he needs is a win. You know what? You're right. And I think he's going to get it at some point this year. He's racing like God. It's just it's fun, right? Like he's having fun. His entire crew is having fun. It's amazing how you miss this guy being on the track. And then once he gets back on the track, he's just, it's like he, he didn't skip a beat, right, Tim? It's, it's seriously, I mean, that's the way I see it. Well, he's, he's been, been skipping a lot of beats for the last couple of years. But now, yeah, as you said, he's back on track. You know, he had a top five last week and this week he had a top 10. He came in seventh. I mean, you know, he's on a mission. Oh, and speaking of, we didn't give you our top 10, uh, the top 10 countdown for Martinsville. Sorry about that, guys. So we have Brad Keselowski, as you know, he came home with the grandfather clock. 
Kyle Busch came in second, Chase Elliott third. And I really, really, really thought Chase was going to win. And then it became evident that it was all about Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski. Mm -hmm. Pretty crazy. Joy Logano came in fourth, Austin Dillon fifth. Sixth was AJ Amadinger. How about that AJ? AJ, you know, AJ is showing up. He's not showing out yet, but he's definitely showing up. But he's coming. I think AJ may get a, a win sometime soon. Hopefully this year. I don't know. Clint Boyer came in seventh. Ryan Newman quietly came in eighth. He had a quiet day. Very interesting. And Matt Kenseth, you know, Matt Kenseth, we already know he's like the quiet assassin. Matt Kenseth just goes about his business, but he will show out if you confront him. We know that. Don't bump Matt because Matt is going to give it to you. But he quietly came in ninth, so a great top 10 finish for him. That is and so Stenhouse true. got true. a top 10 finish. Boy, I'll tell you, that's the best Stenhouse will do this year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, maybe he should continue to do that more often. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate to be like that, but it's just like we have too many young guys that are showing up. I mean, it, even when you think about it, Chase Elliott came in third. Austin Dillon came in fifth. And just a few other notables, you had Chris Buescher came in 11th that's pretty crazy eric jones came in 12th yeah truex you know he's becoming a pretty consistent eric jones quietly but he's pretty consistent well he has a long ways to go but that was great for him to at least come in 12th you had truex truex kind of faded i'm not quite sure what happened to truex but he came in 13th now just some other notables that i expected more from jimmy johnson was in fifth like, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy. We asked the question, what's going on with Dale, who, by the way, came in 34th, but we all know his day was ended early because he had to go back to the garage. But Jimmy, yeah. like, Jimmy, come on. We need you to get it together, Jimmy. I'd like to see Jimmy back on top, too, myself. Yeah, because that's your guy. That's that's Renee's favorite driver. Oh, yeah. You had Harvick came in 20th, and you had Hamlin in 30th. And I know you guys are like, wait, they went all over the place. We just gave you the top 10, but we also gave you some notable names. You know, some of the young guys kind of wanted to acknowledge them and also some of the veterans who didn't fare as well. And while we're on the topic of top 10, I'll break down the points. I'll take it even a step further just to illustrate how the young guys are showing up. Larson is still the points leader after five races, which is crazy. And I'm going to tell you why it's crazy, because he won a race. But when you start to look at everybody between the second and 10th place, it's pretty interesting. So, so far, it's been five races. Kyle Larson's won a race. Martin Truex has won a race. Newman and then Brad Keselowski has won two races. Interesting enough, although Brad Keselowski has won two races, he's not in first place. Kyle Larson's in first place. And this is where it comes into play about stage racing. Number one, again, Kyle Larson. Two, Chase Elliott. Third place in terms of points leader, Truex. Brad Keselowski is in fourth, although he won two races. Joy Logano, fifth. Kyle Busch, sixth. Blaney, (laughs) who would have thought Blaney is in seventh place in the point standings. And Boyer, hey, Boyer, Clint Boyer is in eighth, Jamie McMurray ninth, and Kevin Harvick tenth. If you notice, I didn't mention Ryan's Newman name in that top ten, but I did say he won a race. Although Ryan Newman won a race, he is only in 11th place, which is pretty crazy. Everybody seems to be in favor of stage racing, 
And I like it for now, but when we get to the end and we have things like this where you have drivers who may have won a race not at the top, it's going to be interesting to see how people feel. Yeah. Clearly, if you win a race, you're in, you're in the playoffs unless something happens and it becomes a point thing. But just take this scenario into place. Ryan Newman, he's won a race. What if he doesn't win any more races, but yet somebody else comes along and because of points, because they may have won so many stages, end up bumping him out? That's a crazy thing to think about. I mean, Renee, what are your thoughts on stage racing? I actually, I like the stage racing. I, I totally love it. Uh, I think it creates, uh, you know, this kind of drama and this this uh, whole crazy thing that is happening from track to track and, and week to week. But the weird thing is, is that Kyle Larson, before he even won that race last week in Fontana, was still, you know, in the lead just based on points. And he hadn't even won a race yet. But this goes back to, I think, some of the things that old school kind of NASCAR fans really hate. To see a guy like Brad Keselowski, who's won two races, and he's only in fourth. And that makes no sense to them, and I, and I, which I completely understand. But Tim, I think this is just one of these things where NASCAR has just found another way to try to, you know, create some kind of buzz or new kind of feel for the sport. And I like it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know about anything else other than just the stage. That's because that's what we're talking about. But I, I actually really enjoy it, and I, and I, I, I like it. Yeah, you know, we should probably put a poll. I mean, I'm indifferent because I'm very much like the old school fans. I find, you know, from day one when I got into NASCAR, I find myself really identifying and having a connection with old school NASCAR fans versus new school NASCAR fans. They're just some things that I like, even like when we start to talk about short tracks and road courses. And we all know Tam doesn't really care for road courses. In fact, on a side note, we'll post it, but just want to give you guys a heads up. Renee and I did a countdown for Valvoline that is going to be on teamvalvoline.com regarding tracks. So hopefully you guys will check it out. We'll make sure to post the link on our Twitter account as well as, you know, post it on the website. But we're going to be talking all about top five NASCAR tracks. And on that note, and kind of speaking of polls, we did actually take a poll this week and the question was very simple. What type of racing do you like? What type of NASCAR tracks do you prefer? And to our credit, I don't know if we should say to our credit, but to our surprise, even NASCAR got in on it. We got a tweet from NASCAR in the official NASCAR account, that is. Mm-hmm. And they said, is there an all of above option? That was pretty cool for them to acknowledge us. So the results of our poll, 59% of those who voted said that they favor short tracks. 12% said road courses. 21% said they like super speedways. And 8% said that they like intermediate tracks. Renee, I don't know about you, but I really thought it would be more votes for super speedways. I think probably the issue is, is that some people don't like restrictor plate racing. And although we only have two restrictor plate tracks, mm-hmm. it's Talladega and Daytona. Yeah, so it's like the two you know, main I think, ones. Yeah, I think that may have factored into it. Renee, what do you like? What do you prefer? Short tracks, road courses, super speedways, or intermediate tracks? 
I personally like super speedways. Uh, I'm really surprised at the percentage of people who pick super speedways. I mean, I personally don't like, well, the road courses, uh, you know, I've always kind of been with you on that. The short track racing, I don't mind short track racing. It's not, it's not my favorite, but I rather do enjoy it. But, uh, you know, the restrictor plates always kind of like bum me out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that, that super speedway is, is what I like the best. I have to agree with you, Renee. I like pack racing. I know it's probably not the safest, but I definitely like fast pack racing. I don't really like it when the cars are a bit separated and there's so much space. I just yeah. kind of feel like it's not a competition at that point. You know, I do have a newfound respect and love for short tracks because you get a little bit of action. You mm-hmm. know, with the short tracks, you see a little bit more bumping. But I'm a super speedway girl. I like things go fast. Call me Rick Bobby. Let's just go fast. You know, <laughs> so that that's kind of how I feel. Let us know. Leave us a comment. You got something else to say about the tracks, what kind of tracks you like. And again, we'll be posting our Valvoline show about the five best tracks on the circuit. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. We're looking forward to it. We put a lot of hard work into that podcast and because there's a lot of research to really understand the difference between the tracks and the banking. If we didn't know much about tracks, we quickly learned more about tracks when we were doing that episode. And one thing, I'm not even sure if you guys care, but I always like to give you some facts. And I think now is no better time than ever to kind of break down and let you guys really understand what tracks are what tracks. So really quickly, short tracks are Bristol, Dover, Martinsville, Phoenix, and Richmond. Speedways, super speedways are Daytona, Fontana, Indianapolis, Michigan, Pocono, and Talladega. And it's very interesting because out of the super speedways, I've been to all those except one. So I guess this this is probably why I'm more fond of (laughs) super speedways than anything. And then road courses, we have Watkins Glen and Sonoma. And then for intermediate tracks, intermediate tracks on the NASCAR circuit are Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicagoland, Darlington, Homestead, Kansas, Kentucky, Las Vegas, New Hampshire, and Texas. Interesting. I remember somebody commenting saying that, in fact, it was Kirk English, who is a listener of ours. We appreciate you, Kirk, because I know you're going to listen to the episode. His Twitter account is at PositiveJoe14. He replied to our poll about tracks and said short tracks are, of course, as being his favorite, then the super speedways, road courses, then cookie cutters. So in essence, he was referring to intermediate tracks as cookie cutters. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I guess there is something to be said because there isn't really anything unique about the intermediate tracks. Mm-hmm. So maybe they are cookie cutters. Because yeah, as it's you possible. guys, I kind of like that comment, cookie cutters. Yeah. That's actually pretty funny. When you guys listen to our Valvoline countdown of our top five tracks on the NASCAR circuit, you'll start to realize there's some validity to what Kirk actually is saying. So moving on, and unless you have something else to say, because I feel like I just dominated that whole. No, that was perfect. Yeah. Okay. You know, did you read the article about Eric Amarillo? Yeah, I read a little bit of it. 
Well, I'll let you talk about that since I don't talk so much. You know, it pretty much refers to uh, Eric Amarola being a Cuban-American that drives, you know, for the Richard Petty's number 43. I mean, Eric Amarola has been driving for a very long time. But this whole thing comes down to Richard Petty, really just Eric Amarola is just Richard Petty's choice to drive the car. And the 43 will always be significant in the NASCAR world just because it's Richard Petty. Let's be honest that Richard Petty is Richard Petty, a figure that you just relate to NASCAR, just like Dale Sr. and Dale Jr. Uh, right now. I thought it was actually really kind of cool how they put Eric Amarola in this article in the forefront of just being Cuban-American and his background and, and, and how this whole thing of basically what I got from it was that NASCAR just trying to show, we always go back to this, Tam, but it just seems like how NASCAR is just trying to show the world like it can be diverse and it is being diverse and to create a little bit more diversity than what than what it has been over the years. And that's what I got out of the article. And I thought that was actually kind of cool. And I know a lot of times that we see NASCAR trying to do things like this by trying to create new fans, as well as, you know, continue to keep the old fans. And I liked it. I liked the article a lot. I, I thought it was really kind of cool. And I thought it kind of gave Eric Amarola a little bit of a, uh, a publicity thing that he really deserves. Not that he needs or anything like that. I think he deserved this. Uh, and I really liked the article. I don't I, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but uh, I, I like the way that, that, that NASCAR continues to try to do this whole diversity thing. Well, I thought that Andrea Canellas who is a writer for ESPN.com. I think she did an awesome job with the article. But again, because I'm on the other side, you're Hispanic, Renee. So of course, because it appeals to the Hispanic community. Again, I keep coming back to the same thing. What about me? There's a huge African-American fan base that follows NASCAR. And I know because I have a bunch of friends that watch NASCAR. In fact, a good friend of mine, and I won't say his name, but he works for the Oakland A's. He kind of asked me some questions recently. And I was like, I didn't know you watched NASCAR. He was like, yeah, you know, he was actually hanging out with us at the race. But it always comes back to this diversity thing. But the focus is always on one population And that bothers me. I'm going to be honest, like because they're NASCAR has done an excellent job with diversifying because you have a lot of people of diverse ethnic backgrounds working for NASCAR. But in respects to the fans or in respects to fan outreach, you're missing me. You're missing me, NASCAR. and And I don't like it. But this article was excellent. I thought some of the quotes that Eric Amarello gave were awesome. He talked about the pressure of driving the number 43 and how things Mm -hmm. have changed. And he even talked about the fan base that he's talking to. I think he said there was something like 30 to 40 percent of the fans that he's talking to when he's at tracks and things like that are of Hispanic nature, which really shows that we're here. Whether you're Hispanic, African-American, Japanese, Chinese, there is a lot going on with NASCAR that people don't know. And we're at the tracks, you know. Uh-huh. And, and again, I thought some of the things that he talked about, they were just really great. I can't say enough. And I don't want to talk a lot about the article because I want you guys to read the article, which will be posted on our Twitter account. So make sure you check it out. Yeah. 
on that note, I think it's time for our fan comment of the week, and it's time for predictions. Yes, so, let's see. I think I found the perfect comment to talk about. This comment comes from the NASCAR Reddit board. A fan wrote, Brad Keselowski just became my favorite driver after the interaction I had with him after the STP 500. And if you did not see, after the race, Brad Keselowski, he pretty much was all about the fans. He was signing autographs. He really showed true professionalism, but just showed the epitome of class and what a driver should be about. We all know that NASCAR is probably one of the most accessible sports out of any sports for fans. Mm -hmm. But Brad Kozlowski went above and beyond the cause. You know, like he won. This was his moment, but he made a point to acknowledge the fans. So I really, really, really like that. Just some comments that were left on this particular comment. And the guy actually posted a photo of his ticket that Brad Kozlowski had signed, which was pretty awesome. Just to add some additional comments to what the commenter wrote, someone else chimed in and said, met Brad right after he won the championship at the Ford PR day they had at NASCAR Hall of Fame. We talked about cell phone cases. He's a nice guy and very approachable. Wow, that's pretty crazy. You know, you meet a NASCAR driver and you're really standing there talking about cell phone cases. But that just kind of goes to show you that Brad is not always bad Brad. And in fact, I said this, I think it was last year, maybe it was this year. I was like, we can't even really call bad Brad, bad Brad, because I don't think he's bad anymore. I do think if you do something to him, he may turn into Tim and show you another side. But Yeah, right. And I think a couple of years ago, Tim, we probably would never have heard class and Brad Koslowski's name in the same sentence. Well, I think he was always classy. So I have to disagree, Renee. But he definitely would because I think on the track he's different I actually have a photo of me and Brad on the red carpet at an ESPY party a couple of years ago one of the paparazzis that I know here in Los Angeles she knows that I'm a NASCAR fan so when Brad came down the red carpet she was like okay you got to take a photo and I was like yeah I don't take photos with celebrities and she was like no get in the photo so he was really nice we talked for a hot second Brad is just a all-around good guy. One last comment that I want to read is someone wrote, I'm not a Brad fan on track per se, but the way he always comes across pretty humble in interviews is refreshing compared to some of the bigger personalities in the sport. I oh, also that's a great comment. Yeah, the commenter goes on to say, I also find him to be very intelligent with a very forward-thinking mind regarding the sport. Hey, have I not said this? What do I always say? Brad is like the guy in science class or in chemistry that always has his hands up. One other commenter says he's a great representative for NASCAR, one of the nicest people in the garage. So just another comment that I'm picking at random. And again, these comments are on the NASCAR Reddit board. Somebody says, for real, I'm kind of surprised about the general response to this post. Guy doesn't get JJ to sign a piece of paper, so he completely renounces his fandom and goes on the internet to tell everyone what a shitty human being he is. Yes. Okay, well, (laughs) that one wasn't favorable, but like that commenter said, clearly all the other comments have been about how great Brad Kozlowski is. 
one other commenter says, sounds like Brad Keselowski has been to Richard Petty's charm school. I've seen Petty go to extreme lengths to sign autographs over the years. <laughs> okay, we're definitely going to leave it on that note, but that one actually was pretty funny. Richard Petty does have a, a charm about himself. so Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, so we'll leave it at that. Okay, Renee, so it's time for some predictions, predictions, predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Who you got? That was Ooh, all. Yes. Now, that was Ebonics. Who you got? Yeah, yes, ma'am. Predictions it is. Texas uh, Motors. No, we're, are we in Texas? Renee, we're in Texas. We are in Texas. That's what I thought. Oh, my goodness. We are. This is Texas. your hometown. How do you not know? I know. We are at Texas Motor Speedway. Holy smokes. Okay. So, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you exactly who is going to win this race. It is going to be none other than Jimmy Johnson, the number 48. Jimmy Johnson will get back on track, and he will do it in Texas at the Texas Motor Speedway. My dark horse, you're going to be surprised by this, and I don't know why I feel good about this guy, but let me tell you something about this kid. I just like the way he's been driving lately, and I feel that after Kyle Larson did what he did at the Fontana, I'm picking Chase Elliott as my dark horse to come in, finally win his first race at Texas Motor Speedway. Those are my picks, and I'm sticking to them. Wow, interesting that you picked Jimmy. And I know Jimmy is your favorite driver, but it's very interesting, and I'm going to tell you why. As you are aware, listeners, I always give you my past 10. So at the top of the show, I give you the top 10 for each race. And going into the next race, I give you the past 10. So we raced twice in Texas during the NASCAR season. We raced one time in April and one time in November. So since this is actually our April race, I'm only going to give you our April past 10. 2016, Kyle Busch took home the trophy. 2015, Renee's man, Jimmy Johnson. And 2014, Joey Legano. 2013, Kyle Busch. 2012, oh, Greg Biffle, we missed you. Greg, we miss you. In 2011, that silent man, Matt Kenseth. 2010, Denny Hamlin, 2009, Jeff Gordon, 2008, Carl Edwards, and 2007 was Jeff Burton. That's not a name we hear on this podcast often, but yeah. So that is our past 10 winners in Texas for the April race. Now, some interesting fun facts. Your boy, Jimmy Johnson, is a six-time winner in the Cup Series at Texas. Mm -hmm. He's actually won at least one race every year since 2012 at Texas. Pretty impressive. His first win was actually in 2007. Wow, that's 10 years ago. Wow. Now, what's really interesting is, guess when the last time Dale Jr. won a race in Texas? Mm, Hopefully not 20 years ago. No, but it was close. He hasn't won a cup race in Texas since 2000. Wow. That is bananas when you think about it. Dale has to win for Texas. Come on now. Okay. And last but not least, because, you know, we're going to give you a little of that Xfinity sauce. And, of course, whenever we, you know, they created a rule for this guy. Whenever we talk about Xfinity, we already know who dominates those races. None other than Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is a nine-time winner in the Xfinity races at Texas. That is bananas. And what? why that's even just crazy? Because not only is he a nine-time winner, in the Xfinity races in Texas, he's also won a few cup races at Texas as well as a few truck races. 
That guy, all he does is win when he's not being rowdy. Well, Well, I guess he wins when he's being rowdy, too. (laughs) Okay, so wrapping up, my picks are very simple. I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson, but I'm not going to go with Jimmy Johnson to win. I'm actually going to pick Jimmy Johnson as my dark horse. I'm feeling like Matt Kenseth. I know I'm, I pulled that one out of a hat. I'm going with Matt Kenseth, Renee. Matt Kenseth is my pick to win. I want oh. to go with the young guys, but I'm not going to go with any of the young guys for this race. I got Matt Kenseth as my pick to win and Jimmy Johnson as my dark horse. So there that you is, have it. That is awesome. And with that being said, those are Tab's picks. Those are my picks. We'd like to hear your picks. If you have a, a dark horse, if you have, don't have a dark horse, if you have a winner that you'd like to let us know about, hit us up on our social media. It's at Turns No Breaks on Twitter. You can always tweet us no matter what the circumstances are. You could, it doesn't have to be during a race. It could be during the week. Anything that you'd like to say and reach out to us, we always appreciate your support. We always appreciate your feedback. So please hit us up. You can find me on my own personal social media. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Snapchat and Instagram at It's Renee Garcia. And you can also find Tam on her social media. You can find me at I am sincerely Tam across the board. Thanks again for tuning in to All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. Be kind to each other and we will see you here next week. Bye bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 